0: Uh, okay, Adam Pengilly is joining us from the Sydney Morning Herald. How are you, Adam? Morning.
1: Morning, Mido. Morning, boys. And I think to answer your question, Clark, yeah, I think there's a couple have gone over from Channel 9. I think Freddie's over there. Okay. He's definitely doing the sideline from uh, Allegiant Stadium. Uh, I think Jonathan Thurston was going, but I think they're probably going to call the game from back on the TV back here. Okay.
0: Uh, and uh, it looks like the ticket sales, it's probably going to exceed
1: expectations. This is the one thing that surprised me, though, because it was the one thing I was worried about heading into this venture, and Mm. all reports were late last year, and even in January, the ticket sales were were fairly sluggish, and we're probably looking at maybe a crowd of 30,000, and you're probably worried about how that 30,000 would look in such a massive stadium like Allegiant, uh, Allegiant Stadium, but the good news is they've worked their butts off in the last couple of weeks, and you're exactly right. If they can get it above 40,000, maybe even touch 45, potentially even get close to 50, that's going to be a fantastic result for the NRL to, to have the atmosphere in that ground really be bubbling along for the, for the doubleheader and be a good look back to the TVs back home as well. So, yeah, I don't know what they've done mid-OZIE, but this promotional blitz the last couple of weeks seems to have worked pretty well. So, get anything over 40,000, you'd have to say, would be a massive, massive success.
0: Adam, does it matter if, you know, if it's 30,000 or 50,000? If it's Aussies flown over, is that not irrelevant aren't they aren't they trying to create new eyes whether that be on tv or at the ground would they prefer would they prefer 30,000 but 10,000 to be new eyes rather than 50,000 Australians that have flown over or does that make yeah, any difference?
1: Probably, no no you probably make a pretty good point clarky because that's the whole point of these ventures to try and open it up to a new market they yeah. want americans watching this game whether it's in person at the ground or on fox sports one which they're going to get promotion and and coverage of the game. That's, that's what they want. But I think just for the first time, you just want to have a really good crowd. It doesn't yeah. matter where they're from, whether they're from Australia, New Zealand, from England, America. If you can get a really good crowd the first year, hopefully they'll put it in people's minds and build the build um, momentum for the following year. Okay. So I think I think Peter Valandis and Andrew abdo will be watching the TV ratings very, very closely from Fox Sports 1 over there in America. I think mean, Peter's been on the record saying he wants to have the NRL on that channel throughout the course of the season every week to try and, I suppose, ingrain it in the, in the eyes of some Americans who, who watch that particular platform. That's going to be the big challenge for them, isn't it? Continuing the interest beyond this Las Vegas doubleheader. But I reckon anything over 40000 is a great, great get for the for the
2: very first year. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there, Adam. I think the key will be to get it shown on television at least once a week. And if they can do that, then they might start to get what they want out of it. Um, but mm. you know, a one-off... Game, people are interested. There's plenty of people um, that I'm speaking to, uh, the Americans here. uh, They know the game is being played. Now, whether they are going to the game or not, that's a a different matter. But i said to the boys earlier, I've noticed a lot of English people over here. So there's a lot Mm. of English people that have made the trip over to watch an nrl game which raises the question about i think you mentioned it earlier the possibility of maybe that world club challenge game being played here yeah i just see the possibilities lots
1: to have some rugby league over there for a couple of weeks and you could have the world club challenge played with the the winners of the nrl against the winners of the super league maybe a week before and then why couldn't you have the nrl start their season over there with a double header or one game and also have the super league have a have a competition game over there as well and then you can make it a I suppose, a real extravaganza for a week or so. I understand the cost and logistics would be extremely difficult for that. But we know that English supporters, they travel, don't they, Loz? They, they, they love traveling yeah, they to do. support their teams. So why wouldn't they want to drop on a plane? It's only a shorter flight to go to Vegas, obviously, from the UK than needs to come all the way down to Australia. I, I can understand how that potentially could work in, in future years.
0: Uh, some Dragons news. You've written about Ben Hunt in today's Herald. And what's going on with Luciano Le Lua?
1: Yeah, not surprising, Mido, but he's copped a breach notice from the NRL over the strength driving charge, which he appeared in uh, Townsville Court a couple of weeks ago before he was cut by the Cowboys, or released by the Cowboys, I should say, and the NRL have handed down that breach notice, uh, they proposed a two-game sanction, so that means he's probably going to miss the first couple of games of the year for the Dragons, providing they don't want to fight that that charge, which sets up a pretty mouth-watering return, if that's the case, because I think the Dragons play the Cowboys in Round 3, so... Uh, They need to hit the ground running this year, the Dragons. They've got the Titans and the Dolphins in the first two weeks. They'd want to try and at least win one of those games, if not both of those games. They're big signing the offseason. They want him there, but unfortunately it won't look like that. So let's hope for Luchin to be back in round three and um, the Dragons can get their season up and running
2: early in the year. I know we're going to get your top eight off you later, and I'm unsure of whether you had the Cowboys in your top eight uh, or not. But obviously they released Luciano because they've... Mm got that depth in the back row, but then overnight the news came through that Cohen Hess is out for the season with an ACL injury as well, so they're two uh, big name players that the Cowboys are going to miss and, uh, miss and I think that hurts their chances of making the top eight.
1: Yeah, I agree with you lies like, uh, Cohen Hess I thought had a really good year last year, you could probably argue for a couple of years before that, he was probably a little bit down on his best form, but I thought he was back to somewhere near his best last year, it was a really crucial part of that forward pass, if you take him out of the equation for a year they now lost Luciano Leilua, and to be fair, they've still got a fair bit of depth in that back row with Nanai and Luki and uh Iwiaki. That's, that's still a pretty strong uh, formation or for your edge-back rowers. But having said that, yeah, I do not been in my top eight, loss I've, I've left them out, to be honest. Oh, right. um, I think they're going to be on the fringes again all year, like they were last year. They had a really slow start to the year last year, which cost them. They had some momentum throughout the the middle part of the year, but couldn't quite finish it off. I just think any one of those teams is going to be in a scramble for those bottom parts of the top eight and maybe just comes up short. Are the Bulldogs, who have they signed? Yeah, Zane Tedavano, Mido, this has been forecast a little bit. What a, what a story in terms of him coming back to playing rugby league. He was with Leeds last year and he had a stroke during training. Like, it's remarkable to think. And subsequent tests found he's actually had a hole in his heart. And he had some surgery, obviously, performed on, on his heart after that. He's been given the all-clear. We know the Bulldogs are struggling big time to try and add some depth to that front row um, rotation, and there's just not a whole lot out there on the market. So Cameron Seraldo and Gus have identified Zane Terevano as the man. He's obviously part of a successful system. The is there for a couple of years when they won back-to-back premierships. He helped Penrith make the 2020 grand final. So, yeah, he's getting a little bit older now, obviously at 33, 34 years old. But he'll provide a bit of experience and hopefully a bit of a, a bit of depth in that front row for them this year. Give us a look at it, buddy. What is your top eight for the yeah, season? I'm a little bit different from a couple of other people. I've, I've gone through my top eight in order. A bit of a surprise to me, but I think the Warriors can actually go deep into this competition. i have actually tipped them to win the minor premiership. I think they were great last year. And adding guys like Roger, two of and Kurt Capel, I think definitely strengthens their squad. But I think the one key for them is they're not going to be interrupted by Origin throughout that middle part of the year. I think they can rack up a stack of wins throughout the middle part of the year. And I'm not surprised to see them in the top four. So I've got them as the minor premiers. Penrith, obviously, speak for themselves. Melbourne Storm, I think, will bounce back this year. I've got them third. I think the Roosters can round out the top four. And When you look at that Roosters squad, look at the players who are missing out on round one this year. It's, it's phenomenal, Mido, when you think about it. Angus Crichton. Like I've got big reps on Egan Butcher. Connor Watson, they can't even make their team for round one. And then you've got Jad, Warrior, Hargreaves and Dom Young available. So for me, anything less than a grand final appearance for the Roosters is a massive failure this year. I think the rest of my top eight, I've got the Eels in fifth. As I forecast earlier in, in the week, I think they'll have a much improved year this year. But the Broncos regressing slightly. I just think the, the origin period might take a bit of a toll on some of those guys. And to round out my top eight, I've got the Seagulls and the Sharks. I've left out the Rabbitohs a little bit controversially. I'm just not quite sure where they sit this year. I just, I don't know. I thought there were some really worrying signs at the end of last year. And I think Campbell Graham being out for the majority of the season is a massive, massive blow for them. And I've also left out the Cowboys and the Knights. So uh, it's going to be a really, really tight competition, but that's my top eight for this year.
0: None of us has given the Knights much love, have we? No, we copped some stick about it We too. did cop some stick. Yeah. <laughs> but fair enough too. They were brilliant last oh, year. With, can't have a ball. With Ponga, nice. if he's fit for the entire... Oh. Like we talk about Tommy T and how important he is for Manly. Mm-hmm. If you got a Ponger Ponga like, like we saw last year, we could all be wrong. Mm, definitely.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately though, with... With Kalen, whether we like it or not, though, is that that one head knock away from spending an extended period on the sideline. And if he stays on the sideline, what like, do you give the Newcastle Knights? Absolutely not a chance of going on a run of winning, you know, four or five games while he's out on the sideline. Not, I'm unsure now if if he can replicate what he did last year there's no doubt that they can play final football because they're a very good side. But you've got to leave teams out and you've got to take a gamble somewhere along the line. But, yeah, now at Newcastle, I can understand their supporters being frustrated with us because they would think that they're a, a genuine chance of finishing in the top four.
0: You've got a bit of a, well, uh, I would say, well, what would normally be a smoky, you can't bet on it anymore, but the Dally M, who are you going for there? Yeah. Kind
1: of? You know, I've got a bit of a theory here. I reckon if you look at the last sort of three or four Dalian medal winners, it doesn't necessarily come from the, the top, top teams. And I'm talking about the Panthers, the Storm, the Roosters, They the Broncos. They teams that have so many stars. And they sort of share points a little bit, I think. If you go back through the last few years, who's won the Dalian medal? Like Jack Whiten, I think Tom Turbo, um, Nico Hines, and then obviously last year, Caelan Plonger. I reckon you've got to find a team that sort of Going to win a few games, but not, might not necessarily be in the top four, but they can win a lot of points. It's going to be a standout for their team most weeks. And I'm tipping Scott Drinkwater to have a big year this year, even though I haven't got the Cowboys making the finals. I think he can rack up a ton of points this year. I thought he was great last year, and he just might fit that little pattern or mould I think I've sort of stumbled upon for guys who, who can win the Dalian medal. So. Bit of a smoky, but I think Scott drinklock can have a big year in poll a lot of votes to go close to winning the Dalie M.
0: And so many futures markets on the Tab app, and you've looked at some of the uh, season wins, so where you can bet over
1: under. Yep, and uh, you've got what have you gone here? Yeah, I think Parramatta can definitely get over an eleven and a half wins. Me I think that, if they win half their games, they'll make the finals. I think eleven and a half is too low for them, so I've gone Parramatta the over eleven and a half wins. Same with the Warriors; the, the line's been set at twelve and a half for them. I think they can win much more than twelve and a half games this year. I think the team, I think the line's been set a little bit too high for minus the Titans. Uh, it's been set at 10 and a half. I can't see them getting to 11 wins this year. So I'm happy to back the Titans to, to, to win less than 10 and a half games. In terms of tro- top try scorers, Mido, I think Lofi Khan Pereira from the Titans had a great year last year. He'll score a bunch of tries again this year. He's lightning quick. And down that left edge, that he can score plenty of tries for them. Ryan Papanow in Mido. We'll see $67 to, to be top try scorer, I think. I checked last night. Um, yeah, have a I know he's had a ton of injuries the last couple of years, but when he's on the field, his strike rate for scoring tries is phenomenal. He's one of the best support players I think we've seen in the NRL for the last 10 or 15 years. If Melbourne have a successful year and he can stay on the park, he can score a bunch of tries as well. And I've got a bit of a job for you, Middo. Try and find out if you can get this guy into the markets because I couldn't find him last night. Xavier Savage for the Raiders. Sure. Uh, he's is, been is, named on the wing to play in the first couple of trials. I'm not quite sure if he's going to keep his spot all year, but he's a genuine try-scorer. I think um, playing on the wing for them, he might be able to rack up a bunch of tries as well. And I think I saw around town somewhere he's 500-1 to 1 to be top try-scorer in the competition. So he might be worth a very small peanut to uh, get amongst it later this year.
0: Okay, I'll uh, send an email to Dicko to ensure that that's put in the market. Uh, the top try-scorer marker for the season, which you can find under NRL Futures, by the way. Alex Johnston, who's 26 away from Ken Irvine's records, the $7 favourite from Dallinwood Tenny Zalesniak at 10, Dominic Young 11, then to Greg Marzou and Jermaine Asako at 13, 15 and longer, all the other options. Uh, We've got to talk some racing quickly, though, Adam, and uh, you've got a leg in the multi with Loz away in Vegas, and uh, Hobbo, our man, it's his last day (laughs) full-time with us, has taken the other leg, and his leg is in the surround stakes. He's gone the favourite learning to fly to run top two. And you're looking earlier in the day. And tell us what you've gone with.
1: Yeah, race to number two, Moravia Meadows, to finish top two. I thought his first up run was fair enough. I think he should be improved with that. And I think the speed mark gives him so many favours in this race, just hopefully stalking our Kobe son there from that middle draw. So I'm fairly confident he can run top two. And on a day where there's a lot of shorties on the program, I think the best value might come up later in the day. You know, race nine, number one, no, race nine, number one Um I know she probably wants to get over a little bit further, but I went back to her first up run last preparation in the Wink Stakes. She was desperately lucky not to be in the finish there. I think she can run really well in the guy, Walter Stakes. I know Chris Wallace Mayors Hinge and Alencia dominating the market at the moment. I think Duace can go very close to winning that race. So that's race nine, number one juice is the best value on the program.
0: $6.50 currently with tab. Dicko says you'll get Xavier Savage put in the top try scorer market and the multi in its usual spot on the tab app and website just under sports and today's offers. Moravia top 2 learning to fly top 2 $4.25 currently with tab. And uh, mate, you have a great weekend.
1: Enjoy the weekend boys and we'll uh, we'll
0: chat on Monday.